Hi everyone, welcome to Season 2, Episode 10, Autumn Moon. My name is Don Anderson and this is Missing Pieces. So I got some news to share with you guys. One of my originals, I love that term by the way, originals. That's what Annette Becklin calls her original siblings. Originals. It's perfect. I just read her book, Ancestry Discoveries. It's great. Check it out. It's a great MPE memoir. But anyway, back to my story. One of my originals got drunk and told my dad that he wasn't my dad. So that weight, that decision that I haven't been able to make has been taken off my plate. He knows. So I called him a couple times and I recorded the first call with him. I don't know. Maybe I'll make an episode out of it. Stay tuned. Hey, Australians, what's up? None of you got back to me. 3% of my total downloads comes from down under. Let's do an Australian MPE story. Email me at Don, N as in Nancy, P-E at iCloud.com or get in touch with me on Insta at NPE underscore life underscore podcast. So everyone, please do me a favor. Rate this show. Leave a review. It really, really helps me out. And share it with a friend. Share it on Facebook, wherever it is allowed. And at the very least, follow the show on Apple Podcast. And reach out to me. I love hearing from you guys. On today's episode, we have Autumn. She and I come from the same part of the world, Illinois, 309 area code. Yes, I'm from both Illinois and Arkansas, and so I pick and choose where I'm from, depending on who I'm talking to. But yeah, we come from the same area. It's Illinois, 309 area code, which is really a bunch of cornfields with a few towns thrown in. And I call her story Autumn Moon because had things gone differently, she could have been named Autumn Moon. Moon spelled differently, but still, what a cool name. And here's Autumn. So I, uh, I was born in Peoria, Illinois. I was born in February in 81, and I was born to Sandy. She was uh, single and was working at a bar uh, when she conceived me. She started working at a bar at a bar called Duffy's, and this is also in Peoria. And while she was there, at some point she met my father, and I just always refer to him as Bob. That's what I've always called him. I've never called him dad. I've never, you know, he's just Bob. And, you know, they met, I think they'd been on again, off again, very tumultuous relationship. At some point, you know, she finds out she's pregnant and she tells him and his first response was, I already have two kids. I don't want another kid. And, um, you know, let's, you know, I'll pay, I'll pay for an abortion. Um, and my mom very much did not want to have an abortion. You know, she just said, there's just no way that I'm going to do this. And so she went into this fully knowing that she was going to be a single parent. So she was going to some clinic. They never did an ultrasound on her. She never had any sonogram, no pictures of me in the womb. Um, And they told her that they changed her date three times. And eventually they told her I was due in April. So she went, that, that was, she believed it. But Autumn was born early in February. She said that, um, you know, after I was born, they, they took me to the nursery. And then she said a couple nuns came in and, you know, they, they basically asked her if she'd ever considered adoption and that, you know, uh, that I would probably be better off being given to a family with a mother and a father. 
Um, and it devastated her. It really just tore her up. Um, she felt judged. She felt very just, she just felt like they were just judging her, looking down on her. So that night after I was born, Bob shows up. Okay. And the nuns let him into the nursery to hold me and he's drunk. And, um, they never asked my mom if it was okay. Um, that they never told him, told her he was here. And they, they sort of tried this like mediation <laughs> when, um, he left the nursery, they brought him to my mom's room and it's like, well, her father's here and, you know, reconciliation would be good for her, you know? And my mom's thinking, I, I don't want anything to do with this man, you know? And he begged her to give me his last name. And she was initially against it. She was, she, I was going to get her last name and she compromised and hyphenated my last name with hers and his on my birth certificate. And he signed the birth certificate and then he went away. <laughs> How did Bob know she was in labor? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I never asked. I, I don't think that was ever told to me. I just know he showed up. So it, there's a chance my mom called him. She might've even called him when she was in labor and he just never showed up. Um, don't know, but he was not there for my birth. So she goes back home after about a week and gets into her, she was renting a house, um, and goes in and realized that she's been robbed. And she kept all of her valuables in a hope chest that was made for her by her dad. It's made out of cedar, has a key and Bob knew where the key was. And so she knew immediately it was Bob because nothing else was taken or rummaged through. It was all of the money that she'd saved up bartending when she was pregnant with me, uh, some jewelry that she had that was, some of it was family heirloom. It was all gone. And oh uh, she knew. She knew it was Bob. She just knew. Um, so my Uncle Dave, my mom has four older brothers, right? Um, all military, all Navy veterans. And uh, Uncle Dave gets on his Harley and goes and finds Bob. And he really hurts Bob. And he says to him, don't you ever show your face around us again, or it's going to be worse. And so he never did. Um, and not that he would have tried without that, you know, without that experience, but um, that, you know, he, he wasn't around. So growing up with a single mom, Autumn was poor, but she didn't know it. But uh, we were living in Section 8 housing. Um, I, th I remember one of the places we lived, it was called Manual Manor. And I loved it there because there were so many kids. <laughs> and I just remember there was this like little, outside of our little apartment, there was like this playground, you know, and I just remember playing with all these kids. There was, you know, so many kids, so many single moms and so many kids. And it was just to me, I had no idea that this, you know, that this was, we were on welfare, we were poor. I, I, I didn't know that until I was in high school. I really didn't um, because I never went without the things that, that, I, that I needed. I went without some of the things I wanted. But I think every kid goes without some of that sometimes. <laughs> I think that's good for us. But so at some time in that period when we're living in, you know, Section 8 housing and, you know, I remember government cheese. It was so good. <laughs> I love government <laughs> it was cheese. so good. There's no value to this the day. The best like, American cheese in the world. Like, I know. I'm like, can I buy it? Where can I buy it? <laughs> um, we eventually, she reconnects with an old boyfriend. And this was actually her first love. I guess. Um, and his name's Pat. And so he becomes my stepdad. Um, 
and we move from the South End where we were living and we move out to this area in Peoria called the East Bluff. And that's the house I lived in until I moved out at 18. Um, once they got together, shortly, shortly after that, my little sister, my half-sister Casey was born and Pat had two children as well. Uh, I had, so I had an older stepsister and an older stepbrother. And I was, I was very much a stepchild. Did they live with you? uh, So initially they just, we just saw them on weekends, like every other weekend they lived with their mom, but their mom ended up, you know, she, she struggled with uh, addiction and there was times where she would actually have to go and, and go to rehab for extended periods of time. So they would live with us during those periods of time. And my mom was just very nurturing to them. But it, for me, my experience was different. You know, Pat was just very, I was very much someone else's kid. I have this very vivid memory um, that I think I was like maybe seven. And he's playing on the couch with his two children and my little sister, Casey. She must have been two years old or something, still had a diaper. And he's got her on his chest and he's laying there and he's trying to give his son Charlie horses. And then he's trying to reach out and grab Tiffany and tickle her. And they're all just laughing, trying to get back at him and and it looks so fun. And I remember trying to like join in. I thought, oh God, this is great. And I, I kind of run over and I start trying to tickle. And he goes, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he looks at me and he looks, he looks kind of like irritated. He goes, what do you want? And I was just like, oh, I just kind of stood there. And then he goes, all right, guys, we're done. We're done. All right, stop. We're done. Hmm. And it was like, and then his, his son, Tim was like, oh, why'd you have to ruin it? <laughs> it was, I just remember that. I remember feeling like I shouldn't try to be a part of this. You know, I, I need to just, you know, stay away. And uh, when and they were gone, were I think I was about seven. Only I only know that because of how old my sister was in my memory. We're five and a half years apart and she was a toddler. So I'm thinking I was about seven. Eventually, like my stepdad wanted to start, you know, going out to his old stomping grounds, these, you know, old bars. He wasn't a drinker prior to. I never saw him drink. He was a pot smoker and he smoked a lot of pot, but he wasn't a drinker from what I recall. And uh, all of a sudden he saw some old friends and then they wanted to hang out again. And it was almost like he was, I don't know if it was like a midlife crisis or what, what was going on, but he just wanted to be at the bar all the time. And so it quickly escalated into they were at the bar all the time. And Pat was, um, he just became like an absolute alcoholic and he still is to this day. Um, he likes whiskey and he drinks every day, I'm sure. Um, but he, he's the kind of person that, you know, he, he gets mean when he drinks and he would physically hurt my mom. There were some situations that I found out later, like in my journey in therapy that I have, you know, complex PTSD from witnessing, you know, being in fear of my mother's life because he would hurt her so bad. And, uh, and he would say the meanest things, just things that he knew would just hurt you. And he'd say it. And it's like, Oh, you know, that pain. And I'm, you know, an adolescent, I'm a teen, you know, going into teenager. And it just was such a awful, awful thing. And I just kind of, I don't know. I don't know what, you know, went on inside of me, but I just did not want to be home. So I got a job. I, I played sports all the time. Ever since I was little, I always wanted to be involved in something. So Autumn always knew she was Bob's daughter. Yes. I had pictures of him, um, old pictures from, you know, when my mom and him had dated. Um, he was a very attractive looking man, very hippie, <laughs> you know, kind of long, longer hair, um, 
but that that was really it. I had no contact with his family. I had no no more information. And I used to ask questions, and my mom would just kind of say, "He's just not a good person." You know, she's he's just not a good person. You trust me, you don't want to know him. Well, after I graduated high school, I was enrolled at SIU, um, and I had plans. I my move-in date was set. I was going, and I decided to look up Bob, and I found his information. I think we had a family friend that knew where he lived. Somehow had you know contact or something. So got his number, called him. He said he would meet me. And uh, he was living in a little town outside of Peoria called Pekin. I got to the house and it was just immediately uncomfortable. Um, I, I kept looking at his face and his eyes and just trying to see myself in them. I, I just couldn't see any familiarity or anything that felt like, you know, like, like he's my father. It was just, there was like nothing there. And he was at the time living with a girlfriend. I don't even think she was there. I I never met her, but he was living with a girlfriend and his girlfriend had a son who was there, who was close to my age. And I was there and they started passing marijuana uh, back and forth to each other. They're smoking it and he offered it to me. And I said, no, thank you. And then this, this, you know, his, I don't know if it's a stepson or, you know, whatever you would call him, but he starts really hitting on me. I mean, he really, it was um, very uncomfortable and Bob wasn't doing anything to, you know, stop it. Um, he thought it was kind of funny. Um, and I remember the, the guy saying, hey, Bob, you didn't tell me your daughter was hot. And, uh, and Bob just like chuckles, you know, and it was just like, okay, I got to go. <laughs> you know, this is, I got to go. Um, so I just, just casually, I said, well, I, you know, I got to get going. It was very nice to meet you. And he came up and he walked up and then I noticed that he had my name tattooed on his arm. And I said, is that my name? And he goes, yeah, I got all of my children's name. And he lifted up his, his arm, his sleeve. And I saw the names, Amy, Jeremy, and Autumn. And I just thought, oh, what a bizarre thing to do when (laughs) you were never in my life. Um, but I just, I think if, if I recall it right, it was like a, a tree. It was like a little sort of a tree and like a branch and each branch had a name. It, each branch kind of came out and then there was a name with it. So, and those were like, I guess his family tree or I, I don't know, but that's kind of how it looked. And it was, and it wasn't done well. I will say that. Um, it's so icky though, right? Yeah. I see that? I bet you. And I was like, my name is on his arm and, uh, and you And he know? spelled it right and everything? He did. He actually <laughs> did do that one right. <laughs> so yeah, he, ew, yeah, icky. Icky's a perfect word for that. And I left there feeling very icky. And I remember driving back. And prior to me leaving there, my mom was like, you know, he's not your dad. And I don't think she was saying it in a way that like, he's not my dad. But she was saying, he's not your dad. He's never been a part of your life. You know, he's a terrible person. She was just kind of saying like, why do you want to see him? He wasn't even a part of, you know, anything other than helping make you is what she said. And I just, I was like, it's just, you don't understand, mom. You've never, you always knew who your dad was. You always knew who your mom was, you know? And she's just like, well, you're 18, so you do what you want. And I came back. It was just kind of like, she was right. (laughs) Worst feeling, you don't ever want your mom to be right when you're 18. It's like, no, I know everything. I know everything. So. I came back and she was looking at me and she was concerned. 
And she's like, how did it go? And I said, it went terrible. And I started crying and she gave me a big hug. I'm so sorry. So I don't even know I'm feeling emotional about that, but because I really didn't have feelings for this man. I just, I just wanted to know more or, you know, figure it out. And in a way it was, I feel so happy that I did that because I needed to have that experience to really shut the door on any sort of hope or expectations that he would ever be, you know, a meaningful part of my life. Hmm. So. So that worked. (laughs) (laughs) Sure did. (laughs) Yep. I'm a problem solver, Bob. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It it was interesting when I got home too. my mom was like, you know, Pat's, Pat's a little upset. I'm like, well, why? She goes, because you went and saw him. I'm like, well, what, what does Pat care? She goes, well, he just always thought that he's he's been a real father to you, not Bob. And why do you care about Bob? And it was just such another, it was like one of those other things of like, Pat has been, you know, sort of like a, a hard person to live with. I don't even want to be home because he's here. You know, it, it's, I, it was just one of those things of like, he's making it about himself. Mm. And so saying, how did it go, Autumn? How are you feeling? It was more about how he was feeling. It was more about like what Pat's upset because he feels like, you know, I shouldn't care because he's my dad. And did your mom like feel bad for him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Autumn went on to college where she met her would-be husband. She became a nurse and then she got married and moved up to Chicago with him. I was working one night shift and uh, Bob's sister, Teresa, contacts me on MySpace. Remember MySpace? <laughs> this will tell you the time. This was uh, 2007, I think, 2006, 2007. I think Facebook was was there, but, face, but, but MySpace was still very much, you know, there too. Um, so she reached out and I just was like, I always knew I had an Aunt Teresa. I always knew that because my mom would always say like, I think that you get your uh, figure from her because I looked nothing like Bob or her. Um, my Bob and my mom were both very tall, lean people, very long legs, very slender, you know, and I was this sort of short athletic build, you know, muscular, um, athletic type. I don't, you know, just was so different. And she would always say, Teresa's the one I, she thinks I favor. So she reached out, she was very sweet and, and she always was, she's, she's since passed away. Um, but the interactions that I, every interaction I ever had with her, she was very, very sweet. She really wanted me to know where I came from. Um, And I think she knew, you know, the kind of person that her brother was. Um, She was a recovering alcoholic. She just was very loving, very present, you know, and she loved Bob. She loved Bob. That was her baby brother. You know, she just very much uh, cared about him. Um, So she was trying to help me connect with, you know, the family. And she got me in touch with Jeremy. And uh, so we set up this visit in Peoria to meet. So I met Jeremy and her and Jeremy's daughter. And I showed up there. So Jeremy's the redhead. Yes. Yes. Half brother. Okay. Yep. Yep. And he's like, I meet him and he's like six foot two, like 250 pounds. 
and just this fire and hair and a beard and he's got this beautiful daughter and she's uh, like four and she's just got like blonde hair, blue eyes and she's daddy's girl and it was just the sweetest thing. And I just I was like, this is my brother. That's my niece. This is my aunt. But we're sitting there at this table and I'm just like not feeling uh, like I was so happy to be there, but I just didn't feel a connection. And I just, I just chalked it up to, well, we never met before, you know, we've never met before. So I went back to Chicago and I got Amy's information because I'd asked about her. And Teresa says, oh yeah, you have a sister, Amy. And so she's the oldest. And she was a sort of a big wig accountant. She's very successful living in North Carolina now. And I reached out to her and I just, she, they, Teresa said that they hadn't really had a whole lot of contact with Amy. She's very nice, but you know, they don't really see her because she lives so far away. So I reach out and I can't remember what I said, but I'm just like, I think we're sisters and I would really love to meet you um, or talk to you or, you know, I, uh, I, this is what I'm doing and this is you know, my life. And then she responded back and immediately she was so sweet, so funny, so much energy. She goes, oh my gosh, I always heard about you. I didn't know if it was true. She goes, cause you know, Bob. And she goes, LOL. And she called him Bob too. <laughs> so it was just such a funny thing. And, and she said the same, she had the same experience I did. He was never a part of her life. He was never a part of her life at all. She has vivid memories. Her mom always held a candle for him. So she'd always like invite him back into their life, but he was never a father to her. So we arranged, she was, she's like, I'm coming, I'm coming to Peoria. I want to meet you. I'm going to, I'm going to drive up to Chicago with my, you know, my boyfriend. So we, we had it all set up. We, she came, we met. We had such a great time together. She's so funny. She's this person where, you know, she just kind of comes around and the energy just picks up because she's just a happy, optimistic, fun-loving person. So I bonded. I thought, I am so happy. I have this, I get, I have her, you know, and she felt the same way. And so they flew for my wedding. I got married the next year. They came in for my wedding. And then we drove out to see them in North Carolina and had a beautiful weekend at Wrightsville Beach for Memorial Day. And, uh, I met her children. Her, she has a daughter and a son. And, um, it just was really, I, I was so happy, but Amy, I just, I really wanted to be a part of her life. I wanted her to be a part of my life. I really did. And she did too. And we were just so, she has a lot of sisters from her mom. And, uh, she was kind of telling me like, you know, you're the only sister that's never called me asking for money. <laughs> she goes, the only time I talk to my sisters is, you know, when they want money, they want something, you know? And I thought that's kind of sad because you're so much more than that. You know, she's such a really fun and cool person. So I get pregnant. Um, and uh, it was exciting. It was really exciting. And I remember getting my due date and uh, they told me she was due on tax day, April, April 15th. I think it was. That was her due date. And so I called my mom and I said, mom, mom, uh, she's due April 15th. And she goes, well, you never know. <laughs> She's a, and I was like, what do you, yeah, I do. They, they just told me that. I was like, well, sure. She could be born, you know, a little before that, a little after, but you know, she's, she's coming in April sometime. She goes, well, they told me you were doing April too, but you were born in February. And I just started laughing. I'm like, mom, that's, that's not normal. <laughs> that's way off. And I, I was almost eight pounds when I was born. So I definitely was not preterm. I was right on time. If not, maybe a little late. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I thought, mom, I, I wasn't, they got your due date wrong. That's, that's all that is. I was supposed to be born when I was born. Cause look at my size, you know? And she just, she just like, well, I don't know. Well, she goes up. 
I'll, I'm going to start planning your shower for early March. <laughs> it's like, okay. She just wasn't, she, you know. When Maisie was about eight months old, my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So it was just, it, it was a hard time. It was a hard time. I watched her wither away. Um, you know, she was about 70 pounds when she passed. It was, ter- it was awful. It was terrible. Um, so after she passed, it was, it was very difficult for me because I, I felt like an orphan. I felt just alone because she was such an important person in my life. And I just had a daughter that I named after her. That was her namesake. And I thought, how unfair, you know, how unfair. And uh, about a month later, I found out I'm pregnant again. I found out uh, almost six weeks after we laid her to rest that I was pregnant and it was a big surprise. It really was a big surprise. Um, we weren't expecting that. So um, it sort of helped me in the way of giving me something to look forward to. Um, new life. We wanted more children, but we just didn't see it being at this time. Um, but it couldn't have worked out better. Missing Pieces will be right back after this break. So Amy's daughter had moved to Chicago. So Amy was actually coming to Chicago to meet her, or to, not to meet her, but to see her. And then we arranged, we're like, oh, let's all go together for brunch. And that is where it all began with ancestry. Amy at the time was living in England. So she said that she took ancestry, she did the ancestry test. And she goes, oh my gosh, I found out that I'm pretty English, British. She goes, you know, a lot of Bob's relatives are on there. She goes, some of them have family trees that you can look at. And I thought, oh, wow, you know. So I thought, well, okay, if you actually know that we have relatives there, I'm going to take it. And this was in August, and I bought the kit, and I kind of sat on it for like three months. I don't know why. I just didn't, just was like, oh, whatever. I'll get there when I get there. So my daughter wanted to do it too, because she wanted to learn about, you know, ethnicities and genealogy and all that stuff. So we both took the test around Thanksgiving, and... I got my results back on January 15th and I had COVID for the first time and I was very sick. I actually got COVID from my son. (laughs) Ironically, working as a nurse through the whole pandemic, I never got COVID, but my kid got it from school and brought it home. So I was really sick. I was, I had high fevers. I was kind of feeling like, I remember like kind of almost like delusional and I get an email alert that my results are in. And so I thought, okay, well, I've got nothing else going on. Let me click on it. And I open it up. And I immediately click matches and I don't see Amy's name. And I'm thinking, well, she should be here. Um, and I thought, well, maybe she's private, you know, cause some, you can make yourself private. So I messaged her on Facebook messenger and I said, Hey, are you private? She goes, no, I'm on there. Check, just search my name. I'll pop up. So I search her name and it just pops up. It says either Amy hoops did not submit DNA or you do not share DNA with Amy. And it was like, oh my gosh, if I don't share DNA with Amy, then is Bob not her dad or not my dad? But then I remembered her saying that she had those matches. And I said, who shows up on your matches? Do you see the names? Because I don't, 
I don't think he's my dad. And then that realization, and mind you, I'm, I ha, I'm like delusional. So I don't even know. I'm kind of like, okay, this, they messed up. I, I remember that was like my first instinct. I'm like, could ancestry mess this up? But then my daughter, my daughter shows up as my match because she's my daughter. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, they got that right. It can't be messed up. And um, I just remember, I don't know if it was because I was sick, but I just remember my chest feeling really tight and just feeling very, my whole body was like tingling. And I just was that realization. My, I got those chills, like my hair stood up and I just thought, how could, how can this be? I never had any inkling whatsoever. My mother never suggested anything to me. Um, in fact, I think it pained her <laughs> that Bob, <laughs> about Bob, you know, I, she wasn't, you know, she really had no reason to say it was him if she didn't think it was him, you know? Um, so I was reeling and I had close family matches. But, you know, when you first go on to these things, it doesn't really tell you how, who, what they are. They just tell you how close, closely. And I think it said, when I first looked at it, it just said close family. It meant he could be my step, he could be a half sibling, a grandparent, or an uncle. And so I'm like, well, I don't know how old he is. You know, I don't know where he, you know, it was just like a, a I was baffled. And the thing is, is that his name I, I was matched to him and then I was matched to another person that just had their initials, E-A. So his last name starts with an A. And then I had first cousins, three first cousins with the exact same name. And, and then I had second cousins with the name. It was just like this whole name was just the only thing I saw. And I had never heard this name before. I didn't know anybody with that name. Um, and I just didn't know really anything about them. So I call my uncle, uh, my, um, my, one of my mom's brothers, I call my uncle Steve, which he, and you know, he's, I, I started asking him, I said, Hey, did my mom ever say anything to you about maybe Bob not being my father? And he said, no, no, she, he's like, we were close, but she, she never told me that. I know we always thought that you were that dipshit Bob's. <laughs> They hated him. They hate him. so much. <laughs> And I just, um, so I said, well, do you know this name? Do you know this last name? And I said it and he goes, oh, that's a South End name. And that was the neighborhood that they all lived in, you know, um, in Peoria. And he goes, they played football. They were big football stars. There's a bunch of them. They lived uh, in the Harrison homes, I think. And I was like, so this is Peoria. This is okay. Okay. And I, um, I, I said, I think, my dad is, is one of them. I, I don't know that. I don't know how to figure anything out right now. And so then I call my uncle Jim. Now this is my uncle. That's been like a father to me and, um, was a very good brother to my, to my mom. We lived with him. He's the one that, you know, his wife is the one that took care of my mom. And I was very much, a, he was such an important, still is such an important person in my life. And I asked him the same question. And he, again, it was like, that's a South end name. I haven't heard that name in a long time. They, yeah, they played football. And I'm just like, how good at football were these guys? If that's the first, you know, like it was such a, okay, you know. Um, and he, he's just like, yeah, I think they went to Manual High School, which is, again, where my mom had went before she dropped out. And uh, 
I asked him the same question and he said, no, he, he didn't know anything about that. And uh, I said, so I think, I think, you know, my mom got pregnant by somebody else. And, um, you know, I don't, I guess, you know, I don't know if she cheated on Bob or if they were broken up or, but she never said anything to me either. And he goes, well, you know, your mom was, uh, you know, she's out there. She's having a good time. And he goes, she wasn't doing anything that the men weren't doing. (laughs) He got very protective of her. You know, he's just kind of like, nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Cause I, I wasn't judging her. That's the thing is I wasn't, I just was, uh, I guess I just, always thought it was Bob, you know, I just always, she was with Bob and then she wasn't, and she was. And, um, yeah. So I called her two girlfriends that she hung out with back then too. And, uh, one of them we actually lived with for a little bit. And she, she said, no, Autumn, she goes, you know, when I met you, you were already baby. And, uh, you know, Bob was, I was always told Bob was your dad and same thing her other friend said too. And, um, I just thought, wow, I just, I wonder how this happened. Like, I wonder how this happened. Um, and then I remembered my mom telling me how they changed their due date. And I thought to myself, maybe that's why she didn't think it was this other person. Because if she's due in April, she's probably did, does the math and says, well, no, that's not in the window. You know, um, I, I, that's all I can chalk it up to is a error in her due date. But when you have me in February, you think there'd be that backtrack in time. Like, okay, well, whoa, she was born at this time. Backtrack. But, you know, so I'm just, I'm baffled. So I decided to go onto Facebook. No, I take that back. Um, Before, before I did that, I called my uh, childhood bestie, best, best, best friend. And I just sent her a text message and I just said, Bob's not my dad. And she just in all caps, what? And then she goes, ought. That's what she calls me, ought. And I go, I know. And she immediately calls me. And I tell her the whole story. And she goes, oh, I'm, have you, have you searched anything? Have you gone? I'm like, baby, I'm so sick. I'm so sick right now. I don't even know what to do. Like I talk to these family members. I don't even know where to start. I'm so overwhelmed. I don't even know. I feel like this is just, how am I going to figure this out? And she goes, I'm going to start looking. I'm going to start looking. And she became like... (laughs) the ultimate, she should be a PI. I told her, I was like, after this experience, cause next thing you know, she's got information for me. She, she got, uh, the Steve that I'm related to on there. She, she figured out, you know, the, his age, uh, who his kids were, which matches my first cousins. So then I knew that's my uncle. If those are his kids and she was able to get online and figure out who his relatives were, he's my uncle. So I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to reach out to him, but I was so scared because I was thinking like, what if I was a product of an affair? Uh, what if my uh, coming out and, and making myself known could really mess up someone's life? So I had that already. I was carrying guilt that shouldn't have been mine to, you know, I, I shouldn't have, you know, but I just didn't, I didn't need anything. You know, it was like, I, I was so happy in my life and comfortable and content and it wasn't, I wasn't really looking for, you know, anything other than to figure out who he was. Um, so I, I sent, uh, or I went on Facebook and I just searched the last name and turns out I have a mutual friend with the last name. And, and I realized I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my friend from high school's mom. Oh my gosh. She's married to an all uh, the name. And so I click on her profile. I'm like, yep, that's, oh my gosh, that's her mom. And so I, I messaged her. 
I'm like, I don't know if you remember me from back in high school swim team, but you know, I'm you know her, your daughter's classmate, and I see that your your last name, and I just found out um, that I'm related to people that name, and I think my father is one of them, which could have been her husband, by the way, because I just didn't know. And uh, I just said, my this is my mom's name. I was born this year, and uh, you know, I don't I don't want to disturb anyone's life, and I'm really trying to keep a low profile here. I really am just, I'm not looking for anything, but to figure out who he is. And, and I said, if, and if he doesn't want me to contact him, I understand. I will respect his privacy. Um, cause I really just felt so secure. I'm just so used to not having a dad. So what, you know, what is this? It's just, I really would just like to see what he looks like and what his name is. You know, I didn't have any half siblings. I didn't get any half siblings from this yet. Um, <laughs> so she responds back with, oh, if, if your dad is one of the Albert, I'm just going to say the name, Albertans, then then that means I'm your aunt and Bill's your uncle. <laughs> she just said it very matter of factly. And I said, okay, well, she goes, there's nine of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> I said, oh, this is going to be fun. Nine boys? or <laughs> No, nine just kids? nine siblings. Six boys and three Still. girls. Yeah. Still. And so then I was, I ruled Steve out because his kids were my cousins. So that was easy. But then it was to figure out the other five and ruling them out. Um, and she, she didn't get back to me for a bit of time. And so I just, I thought maybe, you know, she, she wasn't going to, and I didn't want to push. What I didn't know is that she told Bill right away, her husband, my uncle Bill, um, and he started calling all the brothers. <laughs> One of them had passed away in 2020, so he wasn't able to be contacted, um, but called the other ones and says, she's someone's daughter. And it's one of, you know, it's one of one of you guys, because I didn't know that name, her mom. Her mom's name doesn't ring a bell with me. And da, da, da. So then it was, they all immediately zoomed in on their littlest brother, Ricky. And I, uh, I didn't know all this was happening. I'm just, I'm not hearing anything. So I don't know if anything's happening. So I decided to reach out to Steve and I sent him a message, just basically the same thing. I, I found out that, you know, my dad isn't my dad and this is a shock and, um, just really trying to figure out who my father is. I don't want anything. I, I don't want to, um, you know, interrupt any family balances. I don't want, you know, I just don't want to be, uh, bad news or, you know, hurt anybody. Um, I'm very, and I even said, I'm, I'm very understanding of people's privacy. And um, so just know that I'm not, you know, I just want to know. And he um, responded with, my name's Steve. I'm this old and I'm very happy to help you with any information that you need right away. And I thought, oh, what a nice man. <laughs> so I responded again and I started asking, you know, hey, I've got, I've got, you know, I'm related to these, uh, these cousins, these first cousins, second cousins. And so then I was able to rule out Jimmy, his one brother, because his son is on there as my first cousin. And he goes, um, he responded back with, um, something like, uh, when, when were you born? And I, I told him that in 1981, you know, my mom was from the South end, which I knew he would ring a bell for him. Cause it was a, that was the neighborhood I was born. She was a bartender at Duffy's <laughs> when I, when I was conceived. And then, uh, so I guess, you know, they all called Ricky and he got, he remember, I remember him telling me he thought they were messing with him 
he thought they were, cause that's how they, the brothers are. They kind of pull pranks on each other and you know, whatever. And he never had children and they would always uh, bust his chops. Like, why didn't you ever have a kid, Ricky? Well, you would have, you'd have been a good dad. Why didn't you ever have a kid? And uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And so then uh, first his brother, Bill calls him and says, I think you have a daughter. And Rick's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oh, don't mess with me. He's like, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. There's, there's someone out here that's, uh, you know, she's matched on, uh, you know, this, this ancestry site. And he just goes, okay, Bill, yeah, whatever. Hangs up the phone. And then Steve calls him and says the exact same thing. And he said, that's when he kind of realized like, okay, wait, what's this site? What, you know, and, and then he decides, well, I'm going to take the test. If that's my daughter, I want to know. So he, you know, buys a test and, and, he, and he submits it. Steve's wife, Pauline is her name. She friend requests me on Facebook. And so I see the name and I'm like, oh gosh. And Albert just friended me. And I'm like, <gasps> so I accept. And then she messages me. Um, and she actually shares with me that she's an MP. And that she had lived through rumors her whole life that, you know, people saying, oh, you know, that's not your dad. You know, you're a dad. She would just ignore it and found out, got confirmation later in life through ancestry that it was true um and so i said oh so you must and that was the first time i heard that and i was like oh so so you know what this must feel like then i'm like i feel like i'm on an island right now and she goes well you know one of the brothers is is remembers your mom and he's he's taking a he's taking the ancestry test and i remember feeling so impatient like oh it's gonna take forever <laughs> i want to know and uh and she didn't want to say whose name it was which is you know, sure. That's not, you know, her place maybe. So I said, I got an ancestry and I started looking at the old yearbooks, searching all their names. Cause I had all their names now. And I said, one of them really, I feel like really looks like me because he did. And she goes, which one? And I said, Ricky. And she goes, that's the one. And I said, so he remembers my mom. And she said, yes, but he didn't know that you were his baby. And, uh, I just thought, oh my gosh. She goes, he never had any kids. He's married, but he has a stepson. He lives in Texas. And I said, well, it might be easier to talk over the phone. Here's my number. And then uh, Steve had reached out to him and said, you know, she, she wants to talk to you. And he goes, well, give her my number. And I got the number and I just was like, oh God, I think it was like 20 or 30 times of like attempting. And I'd stop. And then I'd form a text message and I'd stop and then I'd get up and I'd have to go walk and I'd have to go do something. Cause I just thought, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I'm looking at these pictures of him from the yearbook and I'm just seeing so much resemblance. And it was really, Oh, it, my stomach is like flipping and I'm just, I'm all over the place. Um, and this is, this is, so my discovery was on a, that Sunday, the 15th, and this is now we're at Friday, the 21st. So things moved pretty quickly. Um, so now I, I send him a text message and he actually saved it. <laughs> he, he took a screenshot of it and saves it and sh sends it to me every now and then. Um, and I just basically says, hello, Rick. Um, my name's Autumn. I heard you might know my, you might've known my mom, um, this has all been very overwhelming for me. Would you be open to talking? And he responds with, hello, Autumn. Yes, I knew Sandy. Uh, my name's Rick Albritton. And, you know, I, I'd be happy to talk to you. And um, then I said, would it be okay to talk now? And he says, yes. So I call him. 
and we get on the phone and it was just like surreal. And I just, it was just like, oh, hi. We were so nervous, so nervous. Um, he immediately was just like, I, he goes, you know, I, I don't get nervous about much. And I, I just, I'm really nervous right now. And it kind of made me feel better because I'm like, I'm nervous too, <laughs> you know? And he goes, well, I, I didn't know. I, 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 I swear to God, I did not know. I didn't know. He goes, I knew, I knew Sandy had a baby. I, I didn't know. I didn't know you were mine. She never told me that you were mine. And I said, I completely understand. I, you know, I'm not holding any, any grudges here. <laughs> you know, I'm not, you know, she, she didn't tell me either. And, uh, you know, I don't know how this happened. And he goes, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get it figured out We're, you know, I submitted my DNA and I told him, I said, okay, so, you know, like maybe five, six weeks, we'll know. And he goes, oh, that's, that's too long. Why is it so long? I'm like, I, you know, it's just how it is. And then he wanted to take a paternity test, something we could get faster turnaround on. So I agreed. And, you know, we had our kits sent out to each other. And in the meantime, though, we're talking for hours every day. He started to set up a time. He called it a TOT, which is like military for time on target. Um, Rick was in the army for 21 years. Um, his actual enlistment date was my first birthday, the exact date of my first birthday. He, uh, left town. He left Peoria probably when I would have been, I don't know, five months old or something and moved out to California with his brother and his brother got him in shape so that he could go enlist. And his enlistment date was my first birthday. And he never, he never lived in Peoria again. So he, uh, joined the army. He was in the 82nd airborne. They're the ones that jump out of planes, the parachuters. Then he ended up trying out for the golden Knights, which is an elite parachute group. Um, very, very intense. Only a few people get on the team every year and he got on the team. So he was a golden Knight for I think five years. And I actually saw him perform at an air and water show in Springfield, Illinois. No idea. I had no idea that was my dad up there doing those crazy skydiving, parachuting maneuvers. Um, and he had no idea that he had like a five-year-old in the audience watching <laughs> in amazement. And uh, he, he lived all over the place. He traveled all over the world. He had some really amazing experiences. And he ended up becoming an instructor at West Point, teaching the cadets how to parachute. Then he was on the special command forces and was living in Korea. And then he was a special forces back in Louisiana, working as a Geronimo, very, very successful, very, very successful career. Like he was a very good soldier, you know, and he uh, was medically discharged because he lost his thyroid. Um, he wanted to stay in. He didn't want to leave, but they couldn't ensure his safety if he was ever deployed on a mission that they could get him his medication. So he had to be medically discharged. So he was out of the army at like 41, 42 or something. Um, and he's been retired ever since, um, sometime in his career, he met his wife. Um, she had a son that was seven. They got married. Um, she's from Korea and her son is also Korean. I think his dad was from the Philippines. Um, and my dad raised him as his own, you know, um, since he was seven, um, he calls him his son and, and Chris calls him his pops, calls him pops. And uh, he never had any, he never had children, biological children um, of his own. So we're just talking, I mean, for hours and hours. And his wife one time said to him, she goes, you are on the phone for six hours. 
And we would, we would talk like that till like four in the morning. I mean, it was like, I was, I had insomnia. Everything felt so amazing. You know, here's this person that is probably my father. I mean, I really, I had minimal doubts that it was, but I think we just, we both just wanted that confirmation because it was such a shock. We didn't want to just rely on, you know, I, I wanted to see it. I wanted to see that 99.999. And, uh, we got, I got the results and sure enough, it was 99.9999. And I got, I must've got them first, uh, cause I called him and he answered and I said, Hey dad, <laughs> it's the first time I called someone dad and he goes, is it, is it me? And I said, yes. And he starts crying and he says, thank you, Jesus. And he starts crying, like really crying. And he just, we, we were both just sitting there and my husband kind of came running in because I didn't even tell my husband. I, I went straight to you know, my poor husband. He's like standing in the, you know, the background, just kind of watching. And he, he looks and he's looking at me like, that's, that's him. I was like, yes. And he goes, smiles and, and gives me my space and goes back. And uh, we were, he goes, he goes, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta call everybody. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I understand. So we, we got off the phone so we could start calling everybody and telling him. I got a daughter. I have a daughter. And uh, I started calling people too. Like, Rick's my dad. Rick's my dad. It's him. It's him. He's my dad. And uh, and then I get this phone call from Houston, Texas. I didn't recognize. And it's like, it's got to be, is it him or Houston, Texas, you know? And so I answer it and it's Chris, his stepson. And I answer it and I go, hello. He goes, hey, sis, it's your brother, Chris. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hi, Chris. He goes, welcome to the family. I just got the news. What a blessing. I can't wait to meet you. I'm so excited. He goes, Pops is so happy. And it was just such a kind thing to do. Just the, it was overwhelming how, um, just how everybody was so happy for us, for me. And um, first time that's ever happened for me. So um, next thing you know, I'm getting a phone call from Steve. <laughs> And he goes, well, hey there, you're in all Britain. Look at you. Welcome to the family. He goes, I hope I get to meet you. He goes, it's pretty bittersweet for me, though. I said, oh, why is that? And he goes, well, because we missed out on all these years of being able to know you. Now we're all old. And I said, but we're still here. <laughs> you know, we're still here. And he goes, that's true. He's true. I just wish it could have been different. He's like, but we're, you know, we'll, we'll all get together. You know, you'll, you'll meet the whole family. Um, and so then my dad and I get back on the phone later and we start talking and he's just, uh, he's on cloud nine. His voice was like dancing. He was so happy. He's just like, I can't believe I have a daughter. I can't believe I have a daughter. I never thought I was ever going to have any children and I have a daughter and it's you. And uh, we booked my flight to Houston that night for my 41st birthday, which was later that month. We moved really, really fast. <laughs> And how long? I'm crying right now, by I'm the way. Sorry. sorry. No, no. It's good crying. Um, I like it when people are nice to MPs. Um, so when was that? How long ago was that? The paternity results were February 9th, 2022. Oh, wow. And, so just uh, over a year ago. Yeah. And uh, my birthday was February 27th. So I flew down to Houston on the 26th because, or no, the 25th, sorry. Um, because I wanted to spend my first birthday with him. We missed out on 40 birthdays together. Um, and uh, so I 
we, we continue to talk on the phone all this time, making all these plans. We're so excited. And he's, he decided that it was just going to be him and I, we were going to go to Galveston. He wanted to take me to Galveston because he, he really likes it there. There's, you know, you're right on the beach and he wanted to take me to all these different places. He really likes it. It's not far from Houston. So I said, okay. And he got a hotel room for us. For, we each got our own room. He took care of that. And uh, he's like, I'm going to pick it from the airport. I'm going to wear a Cubs hat because I'm a big Cubs fan. And so I keep walking and I'm just, I don't want to, you know, look too hard because I'm like, that's not him. And I notice him kind of looking at me. And then as I got a little bit further down, I could see and I just immediately beelined. I was like, hey. <laughs> he's just looking at me, he just immediately grabs me. And we're, we just hug for a very long time. And he just keeps pulling back and looking at my face. He pulls my mask down and let me see you, let me see you. And he's just grabbing my head and doing this to my hair. And he's just like, look at you, look at you. And he kept giving me hugs and he just kept, and he's crying and I'm crying. And it's just like, it's, it's real. It's, um, it's real. It was our first contact, like for all this time. Um, and we just can't stop hugging. We just can't stop hugging. And it's we, like, oh, we got to get your baggage. Oh, we got to get your baggage. <laughs> How long have you been standing there? So we're getting the baggage and we're just waiting. And he's just still, he's just looking right at my face. And I kind of keep looking at Hope and he just, he's got his arm right around me. And we just, we didn't break contact. We were just holding hands and just, it was just felt so therapeutic. I think for both of us, it was what we needed. We both needed that. And um, we uh, got, got our stuff, went to his truck, drove to Galveston. And uh, he starts telling me the story about <laughs> the night I was conceived, <laughs> which <laughs> it's like, uh, well, you know, I don't know if that's a story I tell my kids, but I guess, I don't know. He's thought, well, I feel like you should just know kind of how it went down, you know? And uh, he told me he was at a party and it, he was at the time he was driving a gold Trans Am T-top <laughs> and he uh, was at this party where my, and my mom was there with two of her friends. Ironically, one of them was Teresa, Bob's sister. And another one was Cindy. And so they were at this party outside of Peoria and they said, Oh, Hey Ricky, you live in Peoria. You live in the South and can you give us a ride back when you go? And he's like, Oh, sure. So he, you know, the party's kind of riding down. They, they all get into his car and they start driving home and he decides to drop my mom off last. And he says it was because they lived on the same street, but he invites her up to his apartment to make her a margarita. And uh, he, he, I think his, what he said, something like, well, you're always making me drinks. So it's my turn to make you a drink. Would you like me to, I've got a blender. <laughs> Can I make you a margarita? And obviously she agreed. <laughs> so they go upstairs and uh, you know, have a margarita. And I think he said they smoked a joint, I believe, something like that. Um, and he said one thing led to another and they, they spent the whole night together. And he said that next morning she, uh, he wanted her to stay, but she had to work. So she left and he offered to give her a ride home. And she said, no, thank you. I'm just going to walk. And she just walked down the street back to her, back to her apartment. And he said that was, that was the end of it. So we got to Galveston and he took me to this place called The Spot. And it's right there on, right there on the Gulf and it's cool. And he, we get to order and he orders three margaritas, one for me, one for him and one for my mom. And he toasts her and he says, thank you, Sandy. You know, thank you for bringing her up so well. And, you know, th thank you for having her. Um, and we toasted her. I thought that was really sweet because he didn't have to do that, but he wanted to honor her. So we spent, we, we had such a good time in Galveston.
that Sunday, we drove back to where he lives in Katie and his wife. This is my first time meeting her. I was very nervous because I hadn't talked to her on the phone at all at this point. Um, and she had decorated their whole house for my birthday. There was balloons everywhere, streamers, happy birthday. Um, it was just, it was very special. So we went out to dinner and Chris joined us, my stepbrother and his wife and little girl. She's a baby. And we had dinner and uh, went back to the house to open presents um, my dad had the, over the weekend in Galveston had started giving me little gifts. Um, when we were at the restaurant, he actually gave me his golden knight's ring that he wore every day and he gave it to me. And then the next day he gave me his dog tags from the army. And then on my birthday, I found out that I had a special, um, members. It's really, you can only get this if you're a golden knight or a special honorary golden knight. And I, they, he had some connections still. And I, so I have my own army golden Knights jacket with my name on it that only golden Knights get issued. So it's kind of a cool <laughs> thing to have. Um, he just, he makes things very special. You know, he was really, it was important to him to very be thought, thoughtful and, um, and, and what, what he was doing. Um, and it was, it was special. Um, his wife, uh, you know, I often I kind of I, I always wondered what she thought because I really didn't talk to her. Um, and he kind of said, you know, well, it's just kind of how she is. You know, she's not her English. Is, you know, English is her second language. And, you know, I think maybe she feels insecure sometimes. Like, but she talks to you. You know, so I'm like, OK, that's, you know, and she doesn't you know, who knows what she's thinking. Right. Like this could be overwhelming for her. But me being me, I'm always worried that, you know, maybe it's, you know, maybe she's not okay with it. Um, but she certainly didn't, when I'm in her presence, she's very kind, very, very giving, very, very sweet. So there wasn't any cold shoulders. There wasn't any, um, anything like that. It was just, just the lack of communication. But then I have to remember that everything moved very, very fast, you know, and she doesn't know me, you know? And so I have to, I, you know, try to, try to give that grace you know, but yet just not knowing how she feels about things, but he's so, he's so, you know, he's like me, we're just all in, we are all in. And, um, I just, you know, I'm, I think about her often about how this must be playing out for her. I mean, is she, is she really okay with it? Comfortable with it? And then, uh, we made plans for my dad to come here to Chicago to spend father's day. Uh, it was going to be the first father's day either of us ever celebrated really. Um, and that's when everything kind of started to change. Yes, things didn't go the way Autumn thought. Things took a turn. On the next episode of Missing Pieces in PE Life. Missing Pieces is written, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Don Anderson. Thanks for listening. 